welcome to episode eight. In this one, I'm talking about coercive control. Welcome to the Mind Fuckery podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Goddard, author of Finding Lily and the A to Z of Emotional Abuse. I'm here to remind you that love should be unconditional. Divorcing emotionally is life-changing and that you have a duty of care to yourself. Each week, I will discuss some of the terms you may hear along this journey and I will help you understand and process what's happening inside you. I will help you find the best habits, discover the best tools, put in place the best rituals as you start to take back the control of your own life and learn the tools to heal on a deeper level becoming the best version of yourself hello and welcome are you wondering if you have been in an emotionally abusive relationship and perhaps like me you lost days weeks months watching YouTube videos, taking quizzes. Um, What else did I do? Just reading loads of blogs and searching and searching and searching. So I wanna talk about coercive control. When I was doing some analytic stuff on my YouTube channel, this is what people have been searching for on my channel. Coercive control became a law in the UK in December, 2015. I think it's the 29th of December. It's now becoming more recognised and people are um, taking it more seriously. The police are prosecuting people for this. So coercive control is described as an act or a pattern of assault that's carried out through forms of threats, humiliation and intimidation. So some examples of coercive control are isolating you from friends and family, making you feel guilty for spending time with them, They are depriving you of basic needs such as food and medical assistance, monitoring your time, monitoring you via online communication tools, spyware, taking control over every aspect of your everyday life, such as where you can go, who you can see, what you can wear and when you can sleep depriving you of access to support services, repeatedly putting you down, saying things like you're worthless or everyone agrees with them, humiliating you, degrading you, dehumanizing you, controlling your finances, making threats and intimidating you. So as I said, it's described as an act or a pattern of assault. So this is I've done a few videos on this. I've done one where um, I've highlighted sexual coercion and another one where I've highlighted um, financial coercion. So I'll put those in the notes to this podcast. Coercive control is emotional abuse. It's used to harm and to punish and to frighten the victim. And it's a form of behavior where the victim becomes dependent on the abuser. They're isolated from their friends and family it's controlling. It doesn't relate to one incident. It's a pattern that occurs over time and it's to exert power and control. And this is what emotional abusive relationships are all about, power and control. Every video, not actually every video, but particularly the early ones, that's what I used to say. This is all about power and control. These relationships are uh, where the abuser, the perpetrator is hollow. 
there's nothing inside of them and their biggest fear is abandonment. So they use everything in their power to control you so that they don't, that doesn't become a reality for them. And yet in the majority of cases, what happens is they discard, they do the final discard and they abandon you. And they've literally stripped you down in an emotional state and taken you back and left you uh, at an age of around, well, I, I say around about three. When you were in this relationship, on some level, you did know that something was wrong. However, due to this cycle of abuse, there's a point where you actually get lost and your focus becomes more about protecting the relationship than it actually does about protecting yourself. And the, the way that you're trapped, they, they wrap you up in invisible trains that stop you walking away from them. You know, this is what I said when I say, you know, they don't want to be abandoned. So they trap you. They give you a fake future. Um, they t they take elements of what you want. And, and this is in this idealization stage. They're listening and, and you believe that they're so interested in you. They are to an extent, but actually what they're more interested in is finding out what's really important, finding out what you're looking for in a partner, finding out what you want in the, um, in your future. And they then create this, this character. They play a role. They put on a mask and play a role. They've created a character that allows them to do this and that you then believe they actually are interested in you. But the information actually is to create this character. And it's so they don't get abandoned. So they isolate you from friends and family and also make you feel guilty for spending time with them. They don't actually want you to spend time with your friends and family because if you told them some of the things that are happening in that relationship, they might be honest and tell you that they don't think it's healthy. And so they, the abuser, the perpetrator can't risk that happening. They might feign, you know, like an illness or um, they might need to work so they can't go with you to these events. And they might even make it to the point where you feel guilty going. They might leave um, a gathering if they do go and they're telling you stories of what happened and what they saw. And it's leaving you really confused because you didn't see the same thing and you didn't feel that atmosphere or hear a conversation. And it makes you doubt the people because your abuser, the person that you're married to, you're in this relationship with, they position themselves in a place of trust. So you listen to them gradually bit, but this doesn't happen overnight. Gradually, bit by bit, you're handing over your power and they take control. They might monitor your time. They might check your phone. They might follow you around on social media. That happens to me a few times. And it's like, why are you look? Why are you looking at this? Why are you going through all my friends list? It was really weird. Uh, they might install cameras in your house. They might put tracking devices on your car. Um, you might find spyware on your computer. It's really worth actually going in and finding someone that that can quickly do a quick scan of everything, clear stuff for you. Their need is to control every aspect of your life so that you won't walk away and abandon them. And you might even question, doubt yourself you know about your friends and your relationships you know they, they, it's really weird because you've trusted these people for a long time and all of a sudden you're this person's walked into your life 
and and they're raising questions and they could be monitoring or controlling what you wear when you sleep and as i said depriving you from support services medical services they put you down you know this is part of that cycle where they devalue you so they take everything that was so important to you and they loved about you and all of a sudden they start telling you they don't like it or they question why you do something. And this really, really muddles the brain. Lots of people come out of these relationships very confused. And this cognitive dissonance um, keeps them trapped for a very, very long time. Slowly, they're knocking away at your self-esteem, making them feel better about themselves. And they may dehumanize you. They might be either calling you this one or he or she or not even mentioning your name. People higher up the narcissistic spectrum who have higher narcissistic traits don't see people, they see objects. They objectify everybody. You might find that your finances are controlled in some way, so you might be given some money, say for your birthday or as a gift, and they withhold their money, making you pay because you wouldn't hand it over. They might have bills that all of a sudden appear out of nowhere. Um, they have to pay for something. If they know that you've got cash on you, they put you in a position and force you to use that money so that you haven't got that financial independence. And financial abuse seldom actually happens in isolation. So in most cases, the abuser, the perpetrator, uses other abusive behaviours to threaten and reinforce this financial abuse. It's the misuse of money and using it as a way of controlling their partner. It's leaving people with no money for their basic essentials like food and clothing. And it might even be without having access to bank accounts or any independent income. It might be leaving them with debts that have been built up by the abusive partner um, set against their name. And even when you've left, financial control can still be exerted because they can do it in the ways of any money that's owed to you or that they pay you for children in the way of maintenance can be controlled. So it could be that they can't pay you this month or they set out a plan to pay off a debt um, that they're in control of, but they can only do it at certain times or when an amount's due, they might have a big bill so they can't pay you. And it's really sad because the majority of people coming out of these relationships will experience financial abuse at some point. And to the outside world, they're generous giving people and they might flaunt their money. It's only the people in their tribe, in their group, in their family that really know the truth. And you might even discover that they've stolen from you and they don't understand that this is wrong because in their world, in their head, what's yours is theirs. But also the other way around, what's theirs is theirs. If you won't allow them access to it, they will coerce you into using that money in other ways. And other things they do in the ways of putting you down are telling you that other people think the same way about you that they do. So they might suggest other family members or friends of race concerns about, and it might be the way that you use money. It might be the way that you behave in a certain way. It's really likely that it isn't until you've come out of this relationship that you realize that there was some form of coercion that went on 
in it. These are the invisible chains that trap you and it might take you a long time to unwind because there was trauma bonding that took place and that was to keep you in the relationship and they use tools like gaslighting and triangulation they make you feel you're going crazy you start to believe their version of events and as i said this was all about power and control they were taking over your life the gaslighting was used to make you feel that there's something wrong with you. If you're able to take a step out of where you are, a step out of that relationship, and then look back in and think about all the relationships that happened before you arrived, or their victim stories and things like that, the common denominator was them. And yet they've convinced you this is all your fault. And this is what they do. This is what gaslighting involves. It's turning you crazy. You end up with cognitive dissonance because you've got facts on one side that suggest that they are toxic. And then you've got facts that have been fed to you that suggest uh, that actually it's you that's at fault. And that your brain is like is like clackers. I used to have this when, we, when I was younger. It had to be a certain age, I think, because they have been bad. Although I have got a pair. Um, I was actually managed to buy off eBay recently. And it's like clackers. They're two plastic balls on a bit of string. And as you drop them down, you get momentum. And that's what's happening. Your brain's clashing together. Hang on a minute. It's them. No, it's not. It's me. And you can't make sense. And you literally turn crazy. And you might have wondered, you know, whether you can trust your own judgment. And when you experience any form of anxiety or go through a prolonged period of stress, your brain goes into survival mode. You can't make decisions. You can barely look after yourself. And as I said, they've stripped you back during that relationship to an infantile state. You're a child now. They've taken you back to maybe, it might even be where you've experienced some form of trauma. For your life is now being run by a three-year-old or whatever age it is that you feel that's appropriate for you. This is very different from a normal breakdown, be it romantic, friendship, family member, or even a colleague. Only a person that has gone this through this very specific form of abuse will understand what it's like and how deep this trauma runs. So understanding the cycle of abuse, the gaslighting, triangulation, all the other manipulation tactics is gonna help you. They're basically children in adults' bodies and they're unable to take responsibility for any of their actions. And I think, I might, I don't know whether I've mentioned it now in other podcasts thinking about it, but this narcissistic rage, so this that, that you might have been fearful of, that this walking on eggshells comes from the fear of them. They literally go from zero to seven. So there are seven levels of anger, but the narcissistic rage literally goes from zero to seven in an instance. So they had unmet needs as a child and they weren't able to master their own emotional development. And I d actually discovered this years and years ago that you were able to understand at what age their trauma happened. In certain situations, if you think back, they reverted to a childlike behavior. So it might be if they were threatened in some way or they were put in a situation, they were really out of their comfort zone you will have seen them behave. It might have been that they walked in a certain, this is how I've seen it. They walked in a certain way, their vocabulary changed, they spoke in a childish way. Narcissism is a personality disorder, which is diagnosed by a mental health professional. So the narcissist that can't take responsibility for their actions is very unlikely to go and get a diagnosis. And this is why I speak about emotional abuse and I speak, I uh, don't label, 
they have narcissistic traits. They're high up, might be higher up on the narcissistic spectrum. We're all on that spectrum. We might be at the lower end, whereas they're up in the 70s. They're not going to take responsibility for the breakdown of this relationship, the damage they've caused. They're not going to get a diagnosis. But what you twist it around, a healthy person can see the mistakes they make and they will try to correct them and they will hold their hands up and they'll say, yeah, I'm really, really sorry. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to say that. I didn't mean to put you in this position. They won't go out of their way to blame everyone. They won't be the victim in every single situation. They're going to say, look, equally, I was at fault. That's what healthy people do. They can recognize the role they played within a relationship. And that's unfortunately what an abusive person can't do. And it, don't please don't be thinking, oh, well, I can't take responsibility at the moment and this wasn't my fault, uh, so I must be a narcissist. It's very unlikely you are. There's a thing called narcissistic fleas where you pick up a lot of tendencies and it might be as you're becoming uh, back to who you really are, the person that you were, that you have to untangle. They've, they've dumped everything. It's as if they've seen you as a container and they've say, seen all the beautiful things that you have, all these beautiful qualities, and they've gone, oh, I really like that. Let me take this. Let me take that. And oh, I need a bit of that. It's like they're in a supermarket or a shop and they're picking all the really expensive, beautiful items. And they walk to the door and they go, oh, look, there's a, there's a, a container. And they can recycle and they just dump all their rubbish on you, all their crap. They convince you that everything that's wrong with them, that you have equally as well, because they can't, you can't be above them. What do they call it when uh, uh, when a guy is dating a beautiful girl? It's um, hitting, is it hitting above their weight or some, whatever it is, they, they have to be above you they have to be better than you they can't be equal to there's no no equal in these relationships coercive control as i said is described as an act it's described as a, it's threats it's humiliation and it's intimidation as always i want to give you ways of helping yourself of overcoming this if you're trying to understand if you've been going through a um, abusive relationship go through the list go and look it up. It's on lots of different websites. I've talked about it in my videos a lot. Take a piece of paper and write your story out and say to you, make sure you're grounded when you're doing this though. Coming out of these relationships, you have more questions than you have answers. And it's really, really easy to slip into rumination. And that is the process of continuously thinking the same thoughts over and over again. They tend to be dark, they tend to be sad. It takes you, I call. I, I see it as like going into this dark vortex, this dark hole. So you can write your story out, but make sure you're grounded and you stay on your body because in your body, you can, you can, you think in a different way. It sounds really odd, but you think in a different way. Your head takes over. Your head was convinced that there was, you were at fault. There was something wrong with you. This is what's going on. Your brain has been reprogrammed. By staying in your body, you can see it from a different uh, point of view. You can see it from reality and not from the programming. So, Grounding, staying in your body and out of your head is really important. Breathing, use the box breathing. So a box breathing is where you breathe in and count, you hold and count, you breathe out and count, you hold and count. And it's again bringing you into your body. It's The breathing is helping you balance the, the stress hormones that are spiking. Write out what happened and give yourself the permission to call this abuse. You might still be protecting them. 
this is part of the programming. You were taught to go and look, to look at their behavior is okay, or there's another trick that they do, which is they project out their damaged inner child. We've all got damaged inner children, but they have this particular way of using this damaged inner child, this um, whatever they went through in childhood as uh, being really awful. I'm sure they told you about that awful childhood. We've all experienced something in our, in our childhood. Um, we don't all go around projecting and hurting people in the same way. And so give yourself permission to call this abuse. And when you write your story out, remind yourself it was abuse. So when you call it what it is, your healing speeds up. I'll also put a link to my video on rumination. We have three core emotions. They are abandon, a fear of abandonment, guilt, and shame. And you've probably come out being abandoned, feeling guilty for the part that you played, for the, the what you might have done in the relationship or to other people, and you feel shame. There are people that have been in these relationships for a very long time, and they feel guilt um, for, for, and shame for not getting out earlier. They knew this was going on, they knew it wasn't healthy, but they couldn't do anything. You were coerced, you were trapped, you were tied up in these invisible chains, which made it feel impossible to leave. So I hope you found this really helpful and sending you loads and loads of love until next time.